With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, welcome to State of the Nation. Uh, with me, just Steve Hook. Brian Hesher McLean is out on assignment, as we like to say. Uh, although the good news is Brian will be uh, checking in with us uh, at the top of the next hour. So we'll see what he's doing. I'll give you a hint. He's in California. So we'll uh, we'll talk with him a little bit later. We remind you that I do the uh, show from the Jersey Shore, Central Jersey Shore, Brian is typically in Central Texas, but as mentioned, he is now in California temporarily, uh, and he'll be in touch with us, so we look forward to that. There's a lot to talk about, man. A lot to talk about. It happened right towards the end of the show yesterday that this indictment was handed down uh, by Special uh, special Counsel David Weiss, and it is uh, <laughs> it is something to read, man. I got to tell you, it it reads like a uh, like a movie script when you really break it down, when you parse it. Uh, it's just amazing what this guy got away with for as long as he got away with it. Now, you can say, well, he didn't get away with it. Yeah, but the intention was that he was going to get away with it and he didn't. Uh, and we can all thank uh, Judge Noriega for that. Uh, you'll recall that she's the one that caught in the initial bargain deal and remember, I mean, plea deal. And you'll remember it was a, a sweetheart, sweetheart deal. The way it was originally written was, yeah, we're going to let him go on this with a slap on the wrist. Oh, and by the way, any and all future indictments are hereby, uh, hereby null and void. We're not going to go after him anymore. He's basically got free reign. Well, the judge saw that and said, now, wait a damn minute. I have never seen a plea deal. That was this open-ended and basically just a gimme. And when pressed, she asked the prosecutor, which of course would have been David Weiss and company, have you ever seen a plea deal like this? And he had to admit, nope, no, we haven't. To which Hunter's attorneys just said, rip the damn thing up. It was ripped up. And now they had to go back to the drawing board all because of the judge. Thank you very much. Now it's worth pointing out here that Weiss and company that were pursuing this and DOJ writ large had largely dragged this thing out for so long that many of these charges that he could have been facing, he never will face because the statute of limitations is run on them. So what he got indicted for is a mere pittance of what he could have gotten indicted for. Let's, let's read through some of it because it's a, it's pretty funny. Uh, It's pretty funny in a, in, in a not so funny way. Uh, Biden allegedly spent a total of $872,172 on, quote, various women, unquote, and adult entertainment, quote, unquote, from 2016 to 2019. Now, bearing in mind those 2016 uh, charges that are mentioned in the indictment, they will not actually be prosecuted because they've run. They've run out. But needless to say, they're going to include them in the indictment. So from 2016 to 2019, Biden allegedly spent $683,212 paying what the indictment described as various women, including people he had romantic or sexual relationships with. Apparently, there's a difference there. Uh, And an additional $188,960 on adult entertainment, including a sex club membership, exotic dancers, and strip clubs. This guy was living large, right? 
I mean, just absolutely. Between 2016 and October 15th of 2020, the defendant spent his money on drugs, escorts, and girlfriends, luxury hotels, rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of a personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes. That's the indictment and how it reads. Total of $872,172 was just a portion of the millions of dollars that Biden allegedly spent in those years before ultimately receiving financial support between January 2020 and October of 2020 that still did not go to the IRS. And this reminds me of Daddy Joe's. And by the way, this is this is the smartest man Joe Biden has ever met, Hunter Biden. But it reminds me of his very, very weird pay your fair share. The whisper, the whisper tactic that Joe had been employing for so long. Biden allegedly failed to identify payments to strippers and escorts as personal expenses rather than business expenses. He wrote them off on his business is what they're saying. I mean, it's just it just Biden met with his accountant in California in January 28th. I'm just reading from the story here, folks, uh, from the indictment. He met with his accountant in California on January 28th, 2020, and reviewed the general ledger for his business entity, Owasco PC, to confirm uh, line uh, line item accuracy. In other words, he went through everything and said, yes, this is a business expense. Yes, this is a business expense. And while he reviewed the schedules for his office expenses and professional and outside services, the defendants affirmatively identified with a yellow highlighter personal expenses that should have actually been deducted as business expenses. The, now, this is this is what gets me. It added that he failed to identify $1,500 Venmo payment made on August 14th of 2018 to an exotic dancer at a strip club uh, as a personal expense rather than a business expense. See, old Hunter, the smartest man Joe Biden knows. He wrote that off as a business expense. And why wouldn't he? After all, the defendant described the payment in the Venmo transaction as artwork. The exotic exotic dancer had not sold him any artwork, the indictment says. Biden also allegedly failed to identify an $11,500 payment to an escort uh, to an escort service. uh, Oh, no, it's right. That to an escort for spending two nights with him as a personal expense. Um, so he was writing all this off as a business expense and he, but he wasn't paying taxes on any of it, whether it's personal or business. Absolutely insane. Uh, the big question here isn't whether it was corrupt as hell. Of course it was corrupt as hell. It's so he's a Biden after all. The real question is what's going to happen here? What's going to happen with this indictment? How is this going to be handled by the DOJ? We know that Weiss tried to slow walk it initially. That's why you don't get charges For the year 2016, 2017, and 2018, he's mainly being looked at for 2019 charges. And even at that, he's looking at 19 years in prison. Will he do a day in prison? Come on. Come on. Do you believe he'll do a day in prison? I don't. But I do believe that this sets off a whole bunch of what ifs and scenarios that have yet to play out. We're going to be uh, we're going to be watching this. Just remember, the DOJ inexplicably allowed the statute of limitations to run out for year after year after year, slow walking an investigation that was more than five years in the making. And they only brought charges after Judge Noriega said, hey, this ain't right. And it wasn't right. And it's not right. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. 
The question is, is this a nuclear bomb for Joe Biden's campaign? Well, we'll have to wait and see. It's uh, kind of up in the air as it stands right now. But man, oh, man. And I'm sure, you know what, when we talk to Brian Hesher McLean at the top of the hour, uh, we'll chat with him about it as well. Hey, don't miss out on a thing. Make sure you download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play or wherever. And then you can easily listen to us live anywhere, anytime, whenever. Available right now to download as we keep you up to speed on TNT Radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, let's welcome our friend Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus, to the party here. This is an absolute insane story. A woman has been arrested by police in Atlanta, Georgia, after she allegedly attempted to set fire to the birthplace of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. So the MLK Jr. birth house, uh, birthplace uh, house, and I know right right where it's at, being from Atlanta. This woman was trying to set it on fire. Joining us with the story, uh, Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, this is a crazy story. What's going on? Well, uh, and as all crazy stories should usually start, it starts with a Florida woman. Uh, you know, there's usually a Florida man or a Florida woman. And there's some crazy headline, right? Uh, we got one of those happening. Uh, so a Florida woman who was captured on video casually dousing Martin Luther King Jr.'s birth home in Atlanta with gasoline before allegedly attempting to set it on fire has been identified and charged. This is Lanisha Chantrice. I'm trying to do an accent. Sorry. Lanisha Chantrice Henderson. 26 has been charged with attempted arson and interfering with government property after she was seen on camera pouring the flammable liquid out of a large red fuel container and onto the porch of the historic wooden property. This took place at approximately 5.45 p.m. last night, Thursday. The footage also shows the woman who was dressed in all black clothing. She kind of looked very Antifa uh, with her getup. Uh, you could see her dowsing plants and emptying the liquid against the windows of the Auburn Avenue house, which is located just blocks from the King Center, King National Historical Park, and the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church. She was stopped in her tracks, thankfully, by two tourists and then apprehended by apprehended by two off-duty NYPD cops uh, who held her down basically until Atlanta police arrived on the scene and arrested her. The woman who is understood to suffer from, you guessed it, mental health issues, unfortunately, was transported to a Grady Detention Center for evaluation before being transferred to Fulton County Jail. That's what the police said. It is unclear why she intended to burn the building down. She could also face federal charges in connection with the incident, according to Fox 5. Zachary Eugene Kempf from Utah, who shot the shocking video and is one of the two tourists who stopped Henderson, said he was in Atlanta for work reasons when he decided to visit the house. He began recording this footage as he noticed the woman pouring gasoline around the residence. Uh, Kempf told Fox 5, quote, she seemed a little irritated and on edge, end quote. <laughs> that's it's going to go down as one of my favorite quotes. Uh, Kempf <laughs> said that when Henderson came down the porch steps, he told her to stop. Uh, he then blocked her repeated attempts to go back up. 
he told Storyful, quote, she was never violent or aggressive with me, but she kept trying to get past and I kept blocking her, end quote. Uh, Kempf said Henderson never responded when he asked her what she was doing. I don't know why he needed to ask. It was kind of obvious. Henderson then threw the empty canister into the bushes and grabbed a lighter that she had left in the grass next to the porch. Uh, that's what Kempf told the New York Times. He then called 911. Uh, Kempf then yelled at two men down the street for help. Luckily, they happened to be two off-duty NYPD officers, and they apprehended Henderson until Atlanta PD arrived on the scene. Uh, the two NYPD officers were in town to visit the landmark. See, this is not the type of stuff that you want to do, Steve, when there's a whole bunch of tourists around you and off-duty police officers. So I, I was kind of guessing right away without being told that she probably had some sort of mental issue. Uh, but it was pretty wild. It was a close call. I'm glad nothing happened, and I'm glad nobody was hurt. Uh, but what do you think about this wild, insane story for a Friday? Well, I got to say, the, the video plays out uh like a scene out of a movie. I mean, and, and this uh, apparently these tourists. And by the way, I was taken when you said she looked Antifa. She did. She was dressed in uh, all black. She had the hoodie pulled up and over her head. She looked very Antifa like mental health kind of describes it, though, because I would think that if you were Antifa, you would have done this in the dead of night when nobody could uh, see you. I mean, after all, why wear all black head to toe if you're if you're not trying to be uh, I mean, if you're trying to be inconspicuous, but she did it in the middle of the day. The guy caught her. The video is weird. She just kind of immediately surrendered, though. She offered no resistance. And it's going to be interesting to see how it uh, see what we learn. I would suspect that if that house had been torched, um, we would have been hearing about it for days. It would have been played up as here's another example of, you know, some white supremacy or whatever. As it turns out, it was a it was a black woman who obviously has some kind of mental health issues going on, traveled all the way from Florida. And in the video, yet she doesn't offer any resistance, just lays there passively. Uh, now, was the guy that holding her, I guess that was an off duty NYPD guy that was in Atlanta. Um, he didn't he didn't pull a Derek Chauvin on her or anything like that. He was very calm, cool. They kind of talked her down. Uh but just a crazy story. Thank God she left that lighter in the grass and didn't take it with her, not only for the safety of the building, but for the safety of her. You light up gasoline on a porch that's just been saturated. And there's a good chance you're going up with it. But, um, you know, tragedy averted. Thank God. What a weird story. Yeah, you know, one of the reports I'd seen earlier uh, before she was uh, named, um, really made the NYPD off-duty cops uh, seem very heroic, and I'm sure they are, but the, the early reporting I'd heard is that allegedly the, the one guy tackled her when she was when she pulled out the lighter and tried to light it like something out of a, a movie, so I, I, I sincerely doubt that happened. Maybe it did. Who knows? But that wasn't in the later reports that I was seeing yeah. before I brought this story to you. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. If it was of a particular uh, political persuasion or religion or a skin color, the story would be completely treated differently, unfortunately. However, maybe there is one potential angle, one spin they could use. I don't want to give them any crazy ideas, but why not? We could blame Florida, Steve. It's all Florida's fault. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's Florida's fault because Trump lives there and Ron DeSantis is the governor. There you go. There, you've just you've, you've just filled in the rest of the story uh, on MSNBC for us and, and the ladies on The View. Thank you, Ruckus, for that. All right, brother, we'll talk to you next hour. Thanks a lot, my friend. 
Yeah, there he goes. That's Adam Clark. It is a crazy story. And again, thank God I've been by that house plenty of times being an Atlanta boy myself. And uh, it is a beautiful old house. And I'm glad that it was it was saved. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio, and we're going to be right back with our first guest, David and Stacy Whiter of the Flyover Conservative Show. Join me next on State of the Nation on TNT. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness, lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. Okay, we're back with State of the Nation, and we welcome you back. I am Steve Hook. We're going to be joined here in moment, uh, uh, in mere moments from our friends uh, from the flyovers, David and Stacy Whited. But before we bring them on, let's talk about this this Hunter thing, because this is what we're basically going to talk with them about, because this sets up a whole series of what may happens here. For example, what happens if now that Hunter has been indicted? You'll remember that we've been, been having this back and forth between Abby Lowell Hunter and Abby Lowell, of course, being Hunter's uh, counsel and Comer's oversight committee. And they say, no, 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 we'll come and do it. But we want it to be on the up and up. We want it to be public because we know that you guys may BS the public about this. You may change things, blah, blah, blah. Of course, that's all a red herring because what's really going on in a closed door deposition is stuff that cannot be discussed uh, discussed publicly. So Abby Lowell knows this. He knows that a closed door deposition, you don't get to start with your closing argument, in other words, in public, especially when you've got a whole bunch of Democrats on that panel that are going to waste their five minutes trying to prop up Hunter. So they never wanted to agree to this stuff anyway. 
Uh, will they? I don't know. I doubt it. Now, though, this indictment hands the possibility over to Abby Lowell and company to say, you know what? Our client is going to plead the fifth. Now, that will shut out James Comer from being able to question him. It'll also basically shut down any news coverage of that. But it doesn't mean James Comer and the Oversight Committee are going to go away quietly. I highly doubt it. Plus, you've got to think about the political ramifications therein. Imagine if Hunter Biden chooses to plead the fifth and says, I'm on, on, on grounds that it may incriminate myself. I'm not going to do any talking. Tough luck. Well, we know who the DOJ is working for. Who do you think Merrick Garland's going to side with on this case? I remind you that Donald Trump's kids, all of them, Eric, Don Jr., even Ivanka, all of them, and Jared Kushner, for that matter, all of them sat for depositions. How is this going to look if Hunter Biden says, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to do any of that. You can forget it. On the advice of my attorney, I can see it now and you can see it too. Well, that throws a whole wrench into it, but, but it may keep him from having to do a closed door deposition. I'm, I got to tell you, man, I'm skeptical on this. This could go so many different ways. It might lead to the indictment of uncle James, Jim Biden, Joe's brother could get indicted, could get roped into this. After all, we know it's a Biden crime family. Let's not kid ourselves. They're, they're as corrupt as it gets. As Newt Gingrich said in the news report that we aired earlier on TNT, uh, it, it, they are basically the Sopranos of Delaware. So what if this ropes in James Biden and then maybe perhaps even the president himself? Or being the cynic, and I like to call myself a Reagan optimist, and I am, but I'm not going to lie, man. I've been getting more cynical as the days go by with what's been happening for the last six years. This could end up being another dead-end street a la the Durham report, a very Durham-esque ending to this sad story of the smartest man that Joe Biden knows and all of the crimes that he's committed. Now, what happens if he does, in fact, claim the fifth and they milk this out and Abby Lowell finds a way, massages a way through legal tricks and tactics to move this trial on further on down the road, further on down the road. And then all of a sudden we're in the thick of election season. We're in the heart of it. Everybody's focused on what's going on. There's going to be loads and loads of bad press for Trump. We know that. We know the stories are probably already being written if they haven't been written and filed away somewhere already. Uh, we know they're going to be following what's going to happen with DeSantis, what's going to be happening with Nikki Haley. In other words, they're going to kind of slow burn this story, just like David Weiss originally tried to do with this indictment until Judge Noriega said, nope, nope. You better uh, you better get, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to prosecute after all, because Noriega found the found our secret uh, trapdoor escape hatch for Hunter. Well, then the election happens and then miraculously, miraculously, voila, Biden wins. I don't know how he wins. You don't know how he wins, but the media will assure us that it was the safest, fairest and craziest election in U.S. history. And thank God the good guy won. That's what will happen. And then Joe Biden will say, I pardon my son. And then we will be told there's nothing more to see here. And all of it goes away. I don't uh, I don't know if it's going to play out like that. I don't suspect James Comer is going to 
roll over and give in to that. I don't even suspect, frankly, that the DNC would, because the DNC knows that this is fraught with election problems all the way down the ticket. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of folks inside the Democratic Party in the upper echelon, in the in the high, uh, the the the, uh, the penthouse suites of the, of the DNC, I think they know that Joe Biden is toast. Hell, Joe Biden may know that Joe Biden's toast. I don't know if he's cognitive, cognitively aware enough to know he's toast, but he's kind of toast in a lot of ways. His uh, poll numbers are in the crapper. They keep getting worse, not better. When he thinks he gets an uptick of good of good news oh we got great unemployment numbers then you find out well guess what nobody really believes you most of those jobs created were government jobs not shockingly so i think a lot of people know that joe biden is a political time bomb and of course with this latest david weiss indictment of hunter it gets ever closer to blowing up in their faces so here's a scenario now just hear me out because i think it's i think it's a fascinating scenario and it's one that frankly, scares the living hell out of me. And I was reading this today off The Federalist by Eddie Scarry. Maybe pronounced scary, but it is a very scary scenario. What happens if Joe Biden decides to bow out of the election, but not do it until he's already secured the nomination and he's on the floor of the Democratic National Convention? Because you see, at this point, Joe Biden will have secured all the delegates needed to, to, to run as the Democrat nominee, right? He's the incumbent after all. He would control all of those delegates. What happens if he waits until the Democratic convention and says, I've consulted with Dr. Jill and the smartest man I know, Hunter, and even my saintly brother, James, and all the other Bidens, that perhaps it'd be better for me just to shuffle off uh, to, to Rehoboth Beach and hand this off to my personally handpicked successor, which will probably be where Gavin Newsom is parachuted onto the stage, a la, you know, <laughs> like a pink in a concert where she's on the wires and they just lower Gavin onto the stage and there he is. Could you imagine? I mean, I know that that I know that that scenario seems rather far fetched, but uh, goodness gracious, man, it could certainly happen. And I think that that's another thing that people are going to be keeping their eye on, given this indictment. You read that indictment and it is it is hysterical. Some of the things that are on it. And I don't mean hysterical. Ha ha. Although it is kind of hysterical. Ha ha. It's hysterical because it is just he even Biden, even Hunter Biden, rather, even refers to some of the some of his expenses as Bacchanal. Like, you know, he's, he's just a dad. And you know what Bacchanal is, the, the, the you know, Bacchus, the uh, the god of wine and song. So he even acknowledges, yeah, this was partying, in other words. And it, it, to the tune of millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he wrote it all off as eh, nothing. It's business expenses. Artwork, don't you know? Artwork, the way she twirled around that dance, uh, that stripper's pole. It was like art. There's an idea. Chalk it up to artwork. Um, makes you wonder what Hunter's selling his own personal artwork. I don't know. I don't know.
he's probably getting millions for that too anyway you're listening to state of the nation let's take a real quick headline break and we'll be right back with more after this on tnt radio what station is this ladies and gentlemen tnt radio news for tnt radio news this is james o'neill Hunter Biden, son of President Biden, has been charged with nine counts, including three felonies, related to allegations of evading over $1 million in taxes during a period marked by an extravagant lifestyle. The Australian government is conducting a public consultation regarding the phasing out of checks from the nation's payment system. The Metropolitan Police said on Thursday that specialists from the Counterterrorism Command are leading an investigation after an ultra-low emission zone camera was blown up in southeast London. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. All right, welcome back to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. I am Steve Hook, and I'm very happy to welcome uh, Senate Senator Brian Jones. He's a Senate Minority Leader from California, the California State Senate. Uh, our southern border has become a just a it's been a crisis. Now it's a gaping hole of security risk and burdensome right. uh, crises in many states, cities, municipalities. Now, Brian, I know that you and several Senate leaders uh, recently traveled down to the to the actual border crossing there. What did you see? Because this is a disaster. This is a bleeding wound here. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, for your listeners and viewers to, to kind of explain that the San Diego border between San Diego and Tijuana uh, goes the entire length of the county of San Diego. So that's about, uh, I'm going to guess it's probably 80 to 100 miles. Uh, the part that I toured is like the westernmost seven miles. Uh, so it's from the, from the water uh, inland. We went inland about seven miles. And then another thing that a lot of people don't recognize is the San Diego-Tijuana border crossing is the busiest land border in the world. Uh, there's no place else in the world that there's more people go back and forth every single day than San Diego and Tijuana. Uh, legally, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the busiest legal land port uh, in the world. And, and right now it might be the busiest illegal land port as well. What's happening in San Diego uh, is ha we haven't had this problem in two or three decades because uh, three decades ago, the San Diego uh, County, the state, and the federal government made an, a huge investment on building a huge border wall in San Diego that goes almost the entire length of the county. Uh, there's two places where the terrain just doesn't allow uh, for that uh, fence to be built, but it's worse than that is that even where the fence exists, uh, illegal migrants are coming across the border. And in this area of the border, they have to cross a sewage infested river. They get across that sewage infested river and then they just sit down on the banks on the American side of the river, waiting for the border patrol to come pick them up. Now, historically in, in San, Diego, San Diego, what we would see from the illegal migrant community is typically uh, Mexico or Central American migrants uh, very poor and, uh, and not great health, uh, trying to get into the United States for work. Uh, they were usually uh, very well, uh, uh, poorly clothed, lacking proper shoes, um, and just wanting to get into America to, to earn a living. The Border Patrol, and he, you know, here's a, here's a disappointing thing that I learned, is the Border Patrol has an actual gag order 
on them right now. The agents themselves are not allowed to talk to the media. So the things I'm sharing with you today are, are two things. One that I personally saw and things that I was told uh, by the Border Patrol that I'm relaying to you so that it can get out into the press and, and so that people know what's going on. What they're seeing today is migrants from all over the world. West Africa, uh, the Istan countries is what they called it. So Pakistan, Afghanistan, uh, those countries, and China. Now, here's the amazing thing about this migration that's happening right now is these people are flying into South America. They're crossing the Darien Gap, and I'll explain what that is, crossing the Darien Gap into Panama and then and then traversing Central America and Mexico to get into San Diego, into United States, and then also Arizona, uh, also uh, way out east, uh, borders part of this part of Mexico as well. And they're paying. They're paying. Should, should, shouldn't it be pointed out real quick, Senator? I don't mean to interrupt, but oh, they're fine. paying. They're paying cartels. Well, if you if you accumulatively yes. millions yes. and millions of dollars over a billion since Biden had got into office, in order to do these human smuggling, they, they're paying people to get them across these uh, these areas. One hundred percent. The 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 cartels in Mexico own these routes. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Border Patrol agents uh, re- refer to their uh, their land in Mexico where they accumulate, assimilate these people and get them ready as plazas. They call them plaza owners, uh, the cartels. And there's different plazas that are owned by different cartels in Mexico uh, that these people are paying anywhere from two uh, to ten or more thousand dollars. And the more you pay, uh, the closer to the border you get. So if you pay more, you fly into Mexico City. If you pay even more, you fly into Tijuana. Uh, but for those that are paying the least amount, they're dropped off. They fly into South America. The Darien Gap is an area between Colombia and Panama, which is the most rugged, dangerous jungle, uh, uncontrolled, unpatrolled, and no border crossing between Colombia and Panama in the world. It's the most dangerous uh, guerrilla warfare jungle in the world that the cartels completely control the colombian government doesn't have anything to do with it and the panama it's no man's land and the panama government doesn't have anything to do it it's very you can't get through it there's no roads so it's all foot trails and these people are can you imagine coming to south america from afghanistan and then learning that you have to traverse this jungle and then 30 more days of walking through Central America and Mexico to get to the United States of America. I mean, it's, it's absolutely the, insane. It's absolutely insane. And not only the, that, you, you, you got to deal with all the dangers of the jungle and all that. But but really, the scariest part are, is the fact that it's these cartels from various countries, be it Colombia, right. uh, Peru, Mexico, whoever these cartels are, they're not good guys. And you're exactly. having to brave them as well. It's just insane. Go ahead. I didn't mean well, to interrupt. Here, I just no, no. You're fine. You're fine. So here's what the the uh, border patrols are experiencing. I I described, you know, 20, 30 years ago what the immigration population looked like uh, coming into the United States from Mexico. Today, uh, they all have on name brand shoes. Their clothes are in very good shape. They're uh, they're well cared for. They're they're clean cut mostly. Um, they have some of them have designer luggage when they come across the border. The Border Patrol, uh, two weeks ago in the eastern portion of San Diego County, so about 80 miles from the coast, uh, intercepted a group of Chinese migrants that all had all military aged males 
about 30 of them, and they all had matching backpacks with, we, with luggage can, tags on them. Let's just let me let's just let's just kind of underscore what you're saying here. Uh Senator, if I if I get you right, if they're that sounds like they're being state sponsored by China. It's not like people just come and go freely through China. I mean, we know that. So they're That's all showing the, up. That, right. They're all showing up. Yeah, the Border Patrol is not allowed to ask that question, which which is a glaring question, right? It's like, why do you yeah. are why do you all have the same <laughs> black backpack and you all are dressed now not in uniforms, but you know, they're they're dressed Similarly. in jeans, white tennis shoes, t- yeah. uh t-shirts, hoodies, whatever. It's almost as if uh the CCP knows that our border is wide open. Crazy that, huh? I mean it's- it is it's amazing. And and look, these border the media is really the the national media and the leftist media especially is very complicit. Uh, with this and uh, and are doing a very bad job because they're trying trying to make the the border patrol and the president too by the way trying to make yeah. the border patrol look like the bad guys and look you you do a tour here in San Diego with the border patrol here's what you're going to learn is uh, the border patrol agents come from all over the country uh, a good portion of them are immigrants themselves they came here legally uh, and another great portion of them their parents came here. Uh, are immigrants and came here legally. They all love America. They they took an oath to do a job to uphold the laws of the United States of America. And that's what they're doing. And, and the Border Patrol, they're actually the heroes of this situation. Yeah. Because and I have, no, the, I have no doubt that they're absolutely furious about this. And I know they're under a, a gag order from Alejandro Mayorkas uh, and company. But, you know, I right. was just on, I was just on X about an hour ago. And a couple of these Custom and Border Patrol agents went on camera. They were digitized out, so you couldn't see them. Right. But they were saying, right. one of them was like, I've been on board. I've been on this duty for over 17 years. I've never seen it this bad. It's crazy. Basically, all but saying this is being, this is intentionally being done. I believe it is. I think you probably believe that as well, Senator. The question is, can the United States, uh, first of all, can the House, can the House Republicans in any way stifle this? through the power of the purse? And is there a political will to do that, especially that given the fact they've got such a slim minority? What can House Republicans do to stop this? Sure. Answering the political will, I, I can't answer for that. I can tell you that the representatives uh, here in San Diego are very frustrated with this. Uh, unfortunately, San Diego right now only has, out of the five uh, Congress people that we have, only one's a Republican. Uh, yeah. And he's very active. Is Daryl Issa. He's very active on this. Uh, my Democrat colleagues, uh, you know, they, they don't like it, but they're not being they, they're not exhibiting any kind of willpower to do something yeah, about going it. along. This to get along. The, the bottom line is, is we need to understand that this is an invasion that the United States of America is creating by opening up uh, and and basically sending out the invitation worldwide that all you have to do if you make it to Mexico and you make it across the river. And you sit down on the riverbank on the American side, you're going to be greeted by the Border Patrol. They're going to process you. They're going to yeah. give you a piece of paper to show up within the next five years for your court date. And then you're not going to show you up. On your way and, yeah. Yeah, and send you on your way into the United States. Let me just ask you this, because I know you've got to go and we want to let you go. And I thank you for giving us some time, Senator Jones. Um, 
Yeah, political will is a, is 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 a fickle thing. I understand that. With the Republicans, I'm sure I know Daryl Issa is definitely hot on this issue. Perhaps the Democrats are going to feel the feel the political heat and realize that something's got to be done. You can't hide this problem forever. And as we've seen, right. blue city after blue city crumble uh, when they're yes. not dealing with anywhere near the numbers that you guys are dealing with. The right. question then right. becomes: If this border policy remains wide open for another eleven months, can the nation sustain that? Well, they're saying that already just this year up to today uh, or last Friday when I went on the tour, 238,000 illegal immigrants came across the border. So, you know, we're going to probably get over 300,000 this year. If you add another 300,000 next year, that's six. That's two percent of the, you know, between one and two percent of the current U.S. population. I, I don't know how that's sustainable. And I don't know how anybody on the left makes the argument that this is humane and that this is yeah. the right thing to do. Cause this is not humane. Women are being nah. sexually assaulted. Girls are being sold into the sex trafficking. Men that are able to work are being sold into the labor trafficking market. They're, they're being sold into slave labor. Uh, yeah. So where are they going in the United States that this is happening? Somebody, some leftist liberal somewhere is paying these people cash under the table to take care of their house probably. And so, mm. um, you know, this, this is a complete hypocrisy of the left to allow this to continue to happen. Well, Senator Brian Jones, minority leader for the uh, state Senate in California, I I know you're doing yeoman's work. It can't be easy. Thank you for keeping us informed on this. We look forward to hearing back from you on this. Yeah, and you're right. There's a whole bunch of very hypocritical leftists that are hiring these folks to tend to their yards, tend to their kids. And then there's another batch of very high-ranking liberal donors, rhymes with Boros, uh, that are that are paying these uh, these these 501c3s, basically the, these NGOs to facilitate right. this invasion. It's yes, absolutely exactly insane. Right. Well, it Senator, insane. I know you. Yeah, I know you've got a, got an, an important meeting to get to. So I want to thank you for giving us Appreciate some time on State of the well, Nation. This was we look forward too. to. Yeah, it sure is. Thank you. So thank you. And we'll look forward to chatting with you again, sir. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you. OK, take care. Well, there he goes, man. I mean, it's. <laughs> The numbers are staggering, folks. Check it out yourself. All right, listen, we're going to take a real quick, just a real quick little uh, break, and we're going to come back uh, with uh, our next guest. You're listening to State of the Nation and perhaps even watching State of the Nation. I'm Steve Hook. We'll be right back on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. They say that everybody has a podcast these days, and I recently found out that Roseanne Barr has one, so I guess it's true. Now, I soured on Roseanne. When she did this at a Padres game back in 1990. Well, here she is 33 years later on a podcast, hers with none other than Tucker Carlson. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to the Roseanne Barr Podcast. I got a good one today. I got the guest of all guests. How do you feel about Trump saying he would consider you for vice president? Oh gosh, I don't know. (laughs) I put that in the category of asteroids striking the earth. (laughs) Good or bad, Uh it's so far outside outside of my control that I, you know, I'm I'm flattered. Yeah, it is flattering, isn't it? For sure, but I mean, it's hard to, you know, I've never been in politics, I've never. Would you ever do it? Would I accept? Yeah, if I guess you really I have to ask think you. About that. Um, 
I mean, I spent my whole life looking at politicians and commenting on them and passing judgment on them. And I've never run for, you know, room mother. And so the idea of that is so far from anything I've ever done, it's kind of hard even to imagine. I didn't hear the word no, <laughs> did you? Thanks, Roseanne. And thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State. Uh, welcome back to State of the Nation. I am Steve Hook. Brian Hesher McLean will be joining us at the top of the hour. He is out on assignment. But uh, as it turns out, we do have time to get on our uh, what was going to be our first guest, but we had some technical issues and we're happy that we got them sorted out. David Whited, he is co-host of the conservative or the Flyover Conservative show at flyoverconservatives.com. And we welcome him to the program. Hello, David. How are you? It's so great to see you, my friend. It's great being here, Steve. You know, I'm without Stacy, my sidekick, and you're without Brian. But I guess between the the, the two of us, we're we're both we're both the brains of the outfit, and we're missing the eye candies <laughs> today from both sides. So we'll we'll muddle yeah. through. There you go. Yeah, we won't tell him that you said that, but I'm with you. No, um, no. So listen, let me ask you, Dave. We just saw this indictment come down late afternoon, early evening yesterday for the smartest man that Joe Biden knows, his son Hunter. He has now been indicted. Uh, I think it's 19 indictments. He carries, or it's nine indictments that carry a possible 19 year prison sentence. And that is after they allowed the statute of limitations to run out on several other years where he uh, built the IRS. What do you think of all this? What are the ramifications? Well, the thing I was waiting to, to hear when this came down and, and, uh, uh, the press secretary, you know, Jean-Pierre, uh, you know, answered the question this afternoon is, is, is a, a pardon off the table because once this crosses that, that point of no return, I think all Americans on the left and the right are all saying, how, how's Joe going to handle this? And he's already demonstrated a willingness to exert all of his influence to create an environment for his brother and his son to both be above the law in all situations. These, these California indictments required whistleblowers to risk everything in their life to, to, yeah. to draw attention here. So th this, this wasn't a natural organic process. And, and, and I think the news cycle begins to affect everybody on both sides. When you see like a Douglas Mackey being sentenced for 10 years for a, a meme about Hillary Clinton, you know, you yeah. see those kind of things that the J six, uh, situation. And so when you see this kind of special preferential treatment for somebody that has been, this, these aren't innuendos and insinuations, all of America, unfortunately, is a, basically an expert on the Hunter Biden laptop. We've seen the pictures of him lighting up bongs while he's on the phone and, and the, the, the prostitutes and, and everything. The, the, the word debauchery shows up in the New Testament a little bit on like a list of sins. I never really knew what that meant. It's a it's a word when you hear it, you know it's bad. It's like you know gossip and da, 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 there's all these and then debauchery. And I was like, what? I don't. I, I've never looked it up. Like I don't know exactly what debauchery means, but it's part of the, one of those things you know it when you see it. And it's Hunter Biden. He's the yeah. face of debauchery for the world to look at. Like nobody has been more flagrant in your face with their. Uh, I operate above the law because my dad has been a made man for over 40 years in the Senate and as VP. So um, I, I think with all of that continue to come out, people are wondering what will happen as this moves forward. And they're still saying, hey, it's off the table. We would not 
you know, exercise our ability to implement a pardon on our way out for him. So I, I think that's that's kind of the the focus for a lot of people in this process is, I think, is uh, how much can he get away with being above the law? Yeah, let me just weigh in because I was I, I was laying out a, a possible scenario that I had read um, earlier today off of I want to get this right from the Federalist. It was Eddie Scarry. And and he he wrote a piece where he said, you know, what could happen here is Joe Biden could bow out at the last minute on the convention floor and and let Gavin Newsom parachute in because none of this is going to be good for the Biden reelection bid. That's one scenario possible. So he would control all the delegates and pick his successor. Another scary thought, though, is that Biden and Abby Lowell, Hunter's lead counsel here as defense, could say we're pleading the fifth. That shuts down the oversight committee to the extent that it can be shut down. They're going to continue to pursue this, but they could play some legalese tricks, drag this out through the election. And then in a new election, if Biden wins miraculously somehow, some way, which, of course, is a, is a miracle unto itself. But if he did, and I'm sure they're going to try and find out a way that he could win, then he could pardon him and then say, OK, now I'm going to bow out and hand it off to Gavin Newsom. Um, I mean, these are nightmare scenarios, but. You know, those, we're talking real about scenarios. the Biden family. Yeah. yeah. And when we're talking about the Biden family. All bets are off. Um, there, there's a fatigue that kicks in. There's a little bit of uh, this kind of for some reason, I don't know, my mind, part of it reminds me of the Lance Armstrong, you know, case, because it's it's not that people were shocked that there was, uh, you know, PEDs involved. Is that it, when his trophies were taken away, everybody knew you couldn't give them to the person in second, third, fourth and fifth because they were all using. And I yeah. think Americans as a full are so tired of politicians, so tired of our corrupt system. They're so tired of rhinos like, on the left and the right. None, nobody feels the like Uniparty. you're elected, that, that, that your person, Mitch McConnell's not losing sleep at night for the people of Kentucky, you know, at, at this. And so they're looking at these court cases unfolding. And as this goes along, Trump looks less and less like a politician because he's not getting any special treatment. In fact, anybody that if they're, I think they're hoping that, there's all these cases and there's the, it's a lot of the, the the people that aren't that engaged are like, there must be something there because he's indicted everywhere. But then they look at it and they're like, they're trying to say that Mar-a-Lago, a resort and the country club and the golf course isn't worth 18 million. Like that's his crime is, yeah, is, 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 a, is, a, is a loan that he paid for. And then they look at this other side and they're like, you know, the, the last debates, this is going to be a split screen through the whole election cycle, the next 332 days of, of Biden being like, oh, I don't, what, what do you call it? China? Uh, it's all yeah. lies, you know, during that debate. And then there's pictures of him side by side with all of these associates on the golf course, tax receipts of 12, 13, 14 dinners with, with his brother's associates, with his son's associates. So I think that this plays out very poorly for Joe either way. And he's losing. I, I just want to put, put a number. I've been looking at polls. Um, I want to get this exactly right. The state of Nevada where, where Joe's at today, um, Let's see, forty-eight percent strongly disapprove of of him. Uh, there's another fifteen percent that just disapprove, and then we're only talking. Uh, there's only uh, only eighteen percent actually approve of Joe Biden and the job he's doing in in a in a state that he desperately needs. Um, they're yeah. losing the Hispanic vote, and there's only a four point difference between Trump and Biden right now. So on it's the not going to. Uh, well, we've only we've only got about a minute left, David. I don't. I'm not meaning to cut you off, but I just want to get this in there. So this may play out well for Trump because you got to remember, Eric Trump, Don Jr., Ivanka, and even Jared Kushner sat for depositions. And so far, Hunter Biden has avoided it. 
It's crazy. Yes. Listen, here comes watching. my music. People see this. That's right. Listen, uh, flyoverconservatives.com, flyoverconservatives.com. David, why did I want to thank you for joining us on State of the Nation? Hopefully next time I'll have my partner back and your lovely wife will be back, but we'll do it again soon, my friend. Thanks for giving Thanks, us some Steve. time, buddy. All right, take care of yourself. There he goes. There's David Wyden. You're listening to the State of the Nation. We've got another big hour to go, and including a visit from Brian Escher-McLean. Coming up next on TNT Radio.